Chop Talk is brought to you by the Kosho School of Karate's premium martial arts training equipment. Frustrated with the low quality of the big manufacturers, the hassle and expense of custom-made equipment, or the months-long delivery times offered by the Japanese brands, if your order ever arrives at all, Kosho offers Makiwara, iron sandals, specialty punching bags, and other premium martial arts training equipment, all at great prices and great delivery times. Kosho equipment is guaranteed to be high quality and heavy duty, exactly what serious traditional martial artists demand. Contact the Kosho School of Karate for more information. Go to www.koshoequip.com or email koshoschoolofkarate at gmail.com. Kosho, premium martial arts training equipment for the serious martial artist. Hey everybody, welcome back to Chop Talk. This is your host, Nate England. Wherever you listen to the show, please write a review and give us a five-star rating. Be sure to check out pictures from this week's show on Facebook, or call me an asshole on Twitter at choptalk underscore Nate. This week's guest is Noah Lagle. Most of you know him as the author of the popular martial arts blog, Noah Lagle's Karate Obsession, the YouTube channel of the same name, and the various Facebook martial arts groups that he's involved with. But I got to know Noah a little before all that. Uh, in fact, both of us grew up in Center, Illinois, and originally worked out together at the dojo of last week's guest, Sheehan Joseph Walker, the Academy of Okinawan Karate. And to go back a little further, I went to grade school with Noah's uncle, Dave Lagle, who was, of course, famous for losing a testicle in a tragic bowling accident. In today's show, Noah and I start off by reminiscing about our early training in Illinois and then converting to another style of karate. Uh, we get into the development of his blog and videos and wrap up with Noah telling us about his upcoming trip to Okinawa. Noah can now be found training at Shorinru Shorinkan in Phoenix, Arizona. And to find out more about Noah, check out his blog at www.karateobsession.com, his YouTube channel, Noah Legal's Karate Obsession, or the Karate Obsession Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Today's guest is a uh, blast from the past, uh, Mr. Noah Lagel. How you doing, Noah? Not too bad. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Now, um, nowadays, people know you from, uh, of course, your website, uh, Karate Obsession. What is it? www.karateobsession.com. And, mm-hmm. and, of course, your YouTube channel, Noah Lagel's Karate Obsession. Um, but that's not where I knew you from, at least initially, you know, you and I go way back, man. Yeah. Um, you know, we, uh, we were both at, uh, the Academy of Okinawan Karate back in, uh, central Illinois. Yeah, absolutely. So and you were there before me. I, I, I was. So when did you get started? Was that, when you were training there, was that your first, uh, training in the martial arts? Uh, it was. Uh, I, I started back in 2006, so not that long ago in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have a, a bit of dabbling in uh, wrestling in school, but uh, not a whole lot. So karate was really uh, my jumping off point for the martial arts. Um, I actually wasn't even going to uh, go to the Academy of Okinawan Karate initially because it wasn't karate that I was looking for. What were you looking for? Uh, uh I wanted to learn uh, Japanese sword because I was a nerd. 
Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I thought that would be really cool. And I had been looking at the, uh, the kendo school the Mitsubishi uh, had mm-hmm. down in Bloomington. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a bit far uh, to drive. And then with the fees on top of the uh, startup cost to buy all of the equipment. Right, because you have to get uh, your armor, which is not cheap. Ex- exactly. You're, you're looking at, you know, three $400 just to start. Um, kind of off-putting at first. I'm like, well, let's see what's available mm-hmm. around here. Um, maybe it doesn't advertise itself as, as a, you know, Japanese swordsmanship or something to that effect but maybe they have classes and so i i went around and i looked and sure enough um the academy of okinawan karate had uh, the the sword classes on fridays yeah but you had to uh you had to train in karate first right Uh, it it was like a supplemental class it wasn't the main curriculum and there was a few guys that were sword only guys but the majority of the people that were in that class were uh in the regular karate curriculum and and then hitting that sort of as a extra yeah. And so, you know, I, I went in there and I did my uh, introductory lesson with uh, Mr. Scoyne mm-hmm. at the time in Morton. And um, I ended up falling in love with the karate part of it. Um, and I, yeah. you know, very quickly, I jumped into everything. It was, I was um, doing the karate classes. I was doing the kobudo classes. I was doing the judo classes. I was doing the sword classes. Um, I was pretty much in every class I was in every class in Morton mm-hmm. um, pretty pretty quickly yeah absolutely. Um, and that, that's the nice thing that, that was the real nice thing about that school is it you had the opportunity to train in these other martial arts of course the Academy of Okinawan Karate Karate was the main martial art they were teaching but there was a weekly class on Kabuto on Judo on Sword and every once in a while, we'd work a couple other odds and ends. Now, I shouldn't be admitting this here, but uh, when you said you're interested in Japanese sword, uh, I don't want to out myself as too big of a nerd, but uh, I was pretty into the Highlander movies at one point. Uh, Same. <laughs> a, a point shortly before I started martial arts. So, uh, you know, I, I may owe, uh, you know... Uh, uh, Connor McLeod, a debt of gratitude for getting me interested. Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod, absolutely. <laughs> uh, that 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 may have uh, that may have been been part of my uh, my interest as well. I watched a lot of the Highlander stuff um, on top of uh, anime and just Japanese action films and uh, all sorts of things. So mm-hmm. it was uh, it was appealing, but yeah, the the karate is what really grabs me to the point where I actually. Uh, these days, I rarely do anything with weapons anymore. Hmm. And um, in, in nowadays, so it, it back in Pura, you and I, you know, we're both doing Shuriru karate, and now you've mainly switched over to uh, Shidokan, correct? Uh, no, Shorin Khan. Oh, God, I said that wrong. Um, I, I'm going to edit that out because uh, that's not what I meant to say, so I'm going to edit that out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, hold on. I, I, I want to get into that, but I want, I want to wait a minute. I'm, I was trying to figure out when the last time you and I were in a, then the same room together. So in two, uh, 2006, would it, have been, uh, would it have been, cause I was, uh, I trained over there from 2006 through 2008. 
Okay. Uh, and I want to say that the last time we would have seen each other would have either been your Jodo seminar. Yeah. Um, when you got back from Japan or the, uh, the, uh, spring inner dojo tournament. Maybe. I don't know that I uh, hit that tournament. So if you were there for 2006, you, you were, I would have just got back from uh, grad school. I graduated in 2005. So I came back to Peoria, was working out there, and then took off for Japan in 2007. Was back for a very short stint. That's when I taught my seminar. So we overlapped there. And and I remember you working out at the at the Morton Dojo and, you know, uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Scoyne being, oh, I got this, you know, really young guys training real hard, being real excited and working out with you a few times. And so now everybody else knows you from the internet. I know you from being this, you know, young gung ho kid in the dojo, uh, at least initially. How, how did you get out to, you're in Arizona now, right? Yes. So what happened? how did you get out of central Illinois and out to Arizona? Uh, so, there were, there were a number of factors involved in all that, but the main one at the time uh, was my girlfriend at the time, uh, my, that, uh, my ex-wife it. now. Oh, whoa, whoa. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, Sorry, but, man, uh, I didn't mean to bring up, bring up bad memories. I was just talking about karate. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I know. That's fine. Um, yeah, but uh, girlfriend at the time uh, had seasonal affective depression, depression disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, Illinois winter is not exactly a uh, font of cheerfulness. No. The, uh, the weather no. is not terribly pleasant. Uh, the sky doesn't have the sun in it very much. So mm. I, uh, being the uh, chivalrous boyfriend that I was, was okay. Well, no more winter then. Let's, let's find somewhere really sunny. So I googled the sunniest places to live. And uh, <laughs> I came up with uh, L.A., Denver, and Phoenix. Okay. As the top three. And I said, there's no way I'm living in California. <laughs> right. That's way too expensive, and I don't like the cities. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I, I started looking for jobs in Denver and Phoenix, and I happened to land one in Phoenix before I landed one in Denver. So uh, it was just sort of a kind of shot in the dark on where I'd end up. Mm-hmm. But ended up driving out here in the summer of uh, 2008. Of course, the best time to move to Phoenix is in the middle of the summer. <laughs> in the middle of the summer. <laughs> yeah, I man. I think I when might you, have. When you plan that, I think I might have some of that seasonal effect disorder myself. We got five or six inches of snow and ice yesterday. I've been stuck in my house all day, and I really miss the you know the sun, some warm tropical weather. So if if you've got a spare room, man, I might be heading out to uh, sunny Phoenix. <laughs> Uh, myself, uh, I, I, we do have a spare room, and it is seventy-three right now. <laughs> oh my God, you're killing me! <laughs> you're killing me. <laughs> okay, all right, man. So, okay, so now you're in Phoenix. Now, I've got to ask this from the Shuri Roo side. So, I know people, you know, you know, people from all kinds of different martial arts backgrounds are listening to Chop Talk. You know, uh, you know, looking at Karate Obsession, watching your videos, um, but. Uh, from the Shuri Ru background, Phoenix is real important because, of course, that's where uh, Robert Trias was from, and that's where he opened the first mm-hmm. dojo in the U.S. And here you are, a Shuri Ru guy heading out heading out to Phoenix. 
Um, but after he passed away, I don't know if there's anybody left out there uh, or or what did what kind of martial arts did you find when you when you arrived? Well, uh, when I first got here, since I was starting a new job, I actually had to, uh, you know, take the uh, the short straw on the worst shift possible mm. for doing anything. So I was working, uh, it was like 10 to 7, mm-hmm. something like that. Wow, man, yeah. Um, and, and with where I lived, because uh, I lived fairly far away from work, too, mm-hmm. uh, because I tried to find a really cheap place to live. Sure. And then I, I commuted an hour into work. Um, and between those two factors, finding anywhere to train in martial arts was tough because by the time I would get to any of those places, mm-hmm. they would be ending their classes. Right. Um, so when I first got out to Phoenix, the only place that I could find that actually had classes that went late enough for me to go after work was uh, a judo club. Oh, cool. And so, uh, so I had obviously already been training in judo. I uh, earned the green belt uh, through the Academy of Okinawan Karate as it was. Okay. Um, so started going to this judo club. I got there one night and they had me come out and show a few, uh, different throws they'd ask me to demonstrate whatever it was by name and i'd go ahead and demonstrate it uh, they uh they informed me that i'm very textbook on on how i throw people hmm. was uh was how they put it the there theirs was an olympic judo club okay. uh, one of the um one of the founding coaches was an olympic alternate and so that was their their approach to it so um, what you'd see from that is you know, I was throwing people a lot more like you would see in an instructional. Sure. Um, you know, if you watch the the old demonstration videos, mm-hmm. uh, the the old black and white demonstration videos of throws, that was the kind of throwing I was doing from their perspective. Whereas what they were doing is more the giant flip. It doesn't matter if you fall as right. long as your opponent lands right. first. Kind of throws. Yeah, and you know that, uh, that it was a bit of a different one. Yeah, that 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 lines up with, with my experience also you know um y- you know we were doing judo once a week uh, back in illinois and we learned all the mm-hmm. techniques certainly and knew how to knew how to apply them but we weren't training for any kind of competition um after well i was when i f- first headed out to in in 2007 i went to japan and I stayed for about a month or so at the Kodokan and did a seminar there. Uh, they had like a week-long seminar, and then I, I stayed, and you can continue to train. And then when I first came back from Japan when I was doing that, I did a stint. I taught that seminar you mentioned earlier, and then I did a stint in California uh, working for a few months before I went back. And I worked at the Sacramento Judo Club. And one of the differences there is they're doing basically free randori all the time. So they've got a hold of each other. They're trying to throw each other. Yes, they spend some time working on techniques, but then you spend 15 minutes really trying to throw the guy. And the same thing was true at the Kodokan during the free practice. You spent an hour or two hours actually trying to throw the guy. Um, and there's a different feeling you get training that way as compared to training to just learn the technique. Yeah, absolutely. Once, uh, once I picked that up, I was doing that. Uh, twice a week, uh, two hours each time, 
Mm. Those were the, the times I could make it. They had two nights where it went later than the rest. Mm-hmm. They had more classes than that, but I couldn't make them. Right. Um, and while I was doing that, I kept practicing my kata at home. I uh, traded a computer repair service to somebody who had a Wave Master punching bag so that I could get that, <laughs> um, so I could at least have something to hit. Um, and I dove into research because, hmm. uh, um, you know, my access to places to train karate was a little limited based on my time mm-hmm. uh, with work and travel. But I knew that at some point I would change schedules. There would be somebody newer than me who would take the late shift. Right. Uh, and I'd be able to find some place to train. So I really dove into research on um, history and different lineages and different styles and the way things were done um, and the way different, not just styles, but different people approached mm. um, their karate training and, yeah. and teaching to try and figure out what exactly it was that I wanted out of my karate training mm-hmm. so that I could then find that. Um, yeah, I, I kind of jumped into a couple places here and there. Um, as far as Shuri Ru out here, um, I believe um, Trius's daughter, Roberta, mm-hmm. is out here teaching out of her home, if I remember correctly. That's the last that I've heard uh, also, yeah. Yeah, I believe that's still what she's doing. Um, other than that, uh, Mr. Clear uh, had a dojo here when I first moved um, to Phoenix, um, but has since, I think, moved it to his home as well. Mm. Uh, and Tony Bysans teaches out of his garage as well. Um, I can't remember if the Knightons do Shuriru or if they did something else mm. and were just involved with the Shuriru scene. I can't mm. remember for sure. Um, but they so, have a school down in Mesa. So there's a few people out there, a few recognizable names, but you know, there's no, you know, big dojo to go to. You're going to be working out in the garage, which is nothing wrong with working out in the garage. I've worked out in garages, but um, definitely different than at least your initial experience, where you're working out in a dojo that had hundreds of members. Right. It was definitely different, and, and that didn't bother me any. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I did notice in going between some of those other people's dojos, and it was obviously some of the differences, even though it was the same style, mm-hmm. uh, I'm seeing, you know, different people doing different things. And I, I'm seeing, uh, you know, this person says, oh, well, that's not the way that the, the beginning of that kata is supposed to be. It's like this. And so you're getting conflicting information even along the same style and and that i think really kept spurring me on to try and figure out okay i don't like just being told that a thing is this way or that way without a reason yeah yeah and so i wanted i started looking for reasons is what i ended up doing okay um and i wanted to find somebody who would uh be able to give me answers to my questions as to why it was done that way. What is it for? Uh, how do you use it? And uh, have a more uh, practical approach to how to use it and training to be able to use it. Sure. Um, and, and, and going going back a second, I wanted to I wanted to point out something. You know, and this is something I I think is real important for everybody to realize is that you know karate 
there is a wide range of things that you can do with karate or ways you can train in karate. And in my opinion, at least, they're all okay. Uh, there's people that are strictly interested in tournaments. I mean, it's going into the Olympics soon. There's some issues with that, but anyway, it is. So there's people that are training. <laughs> there's people that are training for that. There's people that are training just for the kata. There's people that are training for the culture. There's people that are training just to get a workout. Um, and so with all these, it, it is important at a certain point to figure out what is it that you're trying to get out of that. And you don't have to necessarily only pick one and only get one. But it's not. It is karate is something that has this m- multiple options of things that you can do within it, and and research is another one. Yeah. You didn't have anywhere to work out, and so you're going to stick your nose in a book and learn all all you can until you've uh, got a dojo to work out at again. Exactly, and and your reasonings can change over time too. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, when I. When I started, my only thing was the the cultural experience of learning Japanese sword, and to some degree, learning you know the the cultural portion of karate and getting some exercise in the process because I was a lazy nerd, so <laughs> I needed some of that. But uh, you know, it it obviously kind of took off from there, and it was uh, just kind of the enjoyment of doing it at mm-hmm. first. Um, and then it evolved from the enjoyment of doing it to really wanting to uh, explore all of the functionality that was available. Okay, okay. So is that what led you into the uh, Shorn Khan, or or how did you? Was it you decided you wanted to find? You were saying earlier you wanted to find the why or the reason. So you did you want to take a step back? to something that was closer to what was going on in Okinawa? Uh, or did you just happen to have a dojo went down the street when your schedule cleared up? It was a matter of... Uh, I wasn't so concerned with the style itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like the idea of being a little uh, closer to Okinawa, a little more connected to Okinawa. Mm-hmm. Um, from the historical perspective, I liked that idea. Um, but... It was more, okay, I have this idea of the kind of training that I want to find, the kind of material, the approach that I would like to have, and so I need to find a person who does that. I wasn't so concerned with what style it was. Uh, I started with Googling and trying to find um, Shorinru branches Mm -hmm. because I thought, well, that seems like it would be more similar than Goju-ru. I right. looked up both, but uh, I started with that because it seemed like it would be more similar and a little bit of an easier transition to start with. But more than anything, it was trying to find individuals. So I had found two that just based on what I could find online seemed like a good start. Um, one of them was uh, Jiro Shiroma, uh, who is a uh, ninth dan uh, in Shorinru. Okay. Formerly uh, Shorin Khan, but he left the organization some time ago. Okay. I may uh, and the, uh, the man who ended up becoming my sensei, Richard Pogue. Uh, and it just so happened that I went to uh, Sensei Pogue's dojo first. Mm. Uh, and I watched a class, and he sat down and talked with me. And he seemed just as excited about it as I was. 
Very cool. Uh, You know, he wasn't trying to sell me on anything. He just seemed really excited that somebody was excited to learn karate. Yeah, man, absolutely. And you know, I, um, I was watching some of your videos before we, before we talked and I went back to one you posted a few years ago. I think the title was, uh, choosing a martial art. It looks like some of your videos from, I don't know, three to four years ago have sort of the, the wood grain background. It was one of those. And, um, and I really liked it. You talked about that and you, and in your video, you talked about, you know, people are out there researching what style of martial art should I study? And they're searching everything, but there's not every style of martial art in your city, you know, <laughs> or there might not be a good instructor exactly. in your down, you know, down the street. You know, I guess, look, I guess if you live in Okinawa, you can do that because, you know, wherever you live, there's a 10th Don that has a dojo next door. There's a, a ninth Don in, in, uh, in, in Shorinru across the street and there's a Weishi black belt, you know, caddy corner over here and you can go in any direction. Um, but here yeah. in the U S and probably most other places in the world, it's very much spread out. There's qualified instructors out there, but there's not qualified instructors in every martial art in, in every city. And so you, I think one of the, one of the, one of the points you made in the video was, yeah, find a person, find a dojo, where you feel comfortable, find a person that you feel comfortable working out with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's it, it's easy to get hung up on, well, what style do I want to practice and learn? And, and, you know, then you get your heart set on something and start looking to try and find it, and then you can't. Um, and I've seen that happen with people who move because they, you know, I used to do this style, I want to find it or something similar and then they can't. And that was kind of what happened with me. It wasn't that I couldn't find it, but I, I had the time to figure out if I wanted to go in a different direction. And I'd kind of, you know, done a little bit of training with different people here and there just to yeah. see. Um, but, but in the end, it, as far as I was concerned, it really was a matter of finding an instructor and a dojo that you would actually like to learn from mm. and, like to train at Mm -hmm. because if you don't enjoy the training and you don't like the way the instructor teaches or don't learn well uh with the way they teach you're not very likely to stick with it anyway you know that's that's a great point and that's one thing that um uh, mike awad uh, used to tell me over some of our late night conversations about uh grandmaster trius and all those he, he said nate you must enjoy your karate. If you don't enjoy your karate, <laughs> something's wrong. And then I, I'd never really thought about it that way. And I'm like, oh, man, you know what? You're right. Yeah, I, I love doing this thing. I, I ought to. I shouldn't be miserable or, or frustrated or stressed out. Well, I guess that happens every once in a while, no matter what you do. Um, but you should look forward to it and be something that uh, you want to do and you enjoy doing, rather than you dread doing. Yeah, it should be a net positive. You're you're going to have moments where you're frustrated, moments where you don't get it, and bad days. But it, overall, the experience should be, you love this thing. Yeah. That's, that's ideally what you should find. This is Mike Tarvin of Tarvin Plumbing Company. You may have heard me answering questions as a plumbing expert on the Gary Sullivan Show over the years. I'm here today to make you aware of our company. We perform plumbing repairs of all types. We've been in business since 1907 through five generations of family members. That's 109 years of providing top quality workmanship and outstanding service. 
If you're having issues with leaks, stoppages, water heaters, fixtures, or piping, we're here to help. Spring rains may be taking a toll on your sump pump. To help out, ask us about our summer sump pump special. We can inspect the existing pump and replace it if necessary for a special summer price. We can also inspect or add a battery backup and other devices for extra security to keep you high and dry. We offer you peace of mind for your plumbing system with reliable, trustworthy service backed by years of experience. Tarvin Plumbing is a Cincinnati company with an appreciation of the wide range of plumbing challenges this city offers. So if you or someone you know has a need for plumbing repairs of any type, please think of us at Tarvin Plumbing. You can reach us at tarvinplumbing.com. That's tarvinplumbing.com. Thank you. So what was that, uh, and, that, uh, that, that early phase of, of transition like, going from the Shuri Rue to the Shoren Rue? You know, there's going to be some overlap. You already had a good foundation. You knew some basics, some stances. Obviously, their katas are going to be a little bit different. But there are a couple katas that, that we run that are the same kata but not run the same way. So what was that right. transition uh, period like for you? Well, at first, I had to get through the transition period of I've been training by myself for two years. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the first class that I, I attended and jumped into was almost all partner work. Mm. And so I haven't had anybody throw a punch at me or a kick at me for me to practice with for two years. Mm. I've been practicing solo and I've been hitting bags and I've been doing visualization, but it's it's not the same. So I was quite rusty dealing with attacks actually coming at me my timing was all off my distancing was all wrong so that that was a big thing at first anyway mm-hmm. um but that that rust brushed off pretty quickly it doesn't take too long to get over that part um so once i got past that after maybe two three classes um the biggest things that i had to adjust were the stances mm-hmm. and i don't think that's terribly surprising no. um Shuriru tends to have very uh, long, low, deep, rooted stances, mm-hmm. and Shorinru has the the higher, more natural stances and postures. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's um, a, thought- that's something that I found also. So when I was in Okinawa, I was training. Well, I was actually training in two different types of of Shorinru, but um, for that uh, piece, I edited out earlier that Shidokan. The reason I had Shidokan on the brain was I was thinking about that's uh, one of the styles that I was training at in in Okinawa at the. Uh, Ketsuya Miyahira's dojo and modifying mm-hmm. those stances coming up a little bit higher a few different emphasis emphasis on twisting the feet here pulling the knee there um yeah that's uh it's different than you know you know what you and I were doing in Shuri we were go lower go longer you know get get your butt down there yeah um so that that was a big thing and then making some of my uh some of my techniques smaller. Shuto, uh, Shuto Uke, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to make smaller because I was used to the, the augmented Shuto from, from Shuriru where it does the you know pull back to the opposite side hip, up to the ear, and back down, kind of that circle. Right. Um, smaller than the big circle Kyokushin does, but decidedly larger than the way Shuri, uh, Shorinru does it, right. uh, where it crosses and, and pulls anyway. Yeah, uh, it doesn't pull back in that circular motion anymore. Um, so there were some some finer points, um, but I didn't find it terribly difficult to adjust. Uh, of course, I I did the same thing again. I jumped into basically every class, um, and well, you're obsessed. Uh, it, man. it wasn't long. I I know, I know. <laughs> I wasn't kidding. <laughs> um, you know, I I very quickly started helping out with the little kids class because. 
I already had been doing that before. Uh, I did a little bit of help uh, even in the judo classes with the little kids. So, um, you know, that part was easy enough to pick up and I already had, you know, a a strong understanding of at least some form of the basics uh, to get people started. And I was adjusting. Um, And Sensei Pogue kind of threw me in the deep end and was like, well, you're already a brown belt in Shiriru. uh, So let's just do this. You just keep wearing that one. And then uh, when you're ready to test for uh, second degree, because I was a, I was a third Q. Mm-hmm. But when you're ready to test for second Q in our style, you'll have a test. We'll test for you for second. Mm. So let's just catch you up. There'll be just no tests until you're ready. And you, yeah. you know, it, it, uh, effectively still had to go up through all the material. Right. But uh, he, he was like, all right, Today, we're going to have you work on this kata and this kata. Mm-hmm. It wasn't little bits and pieces. He, he threw me in the deep end and gave me entire kata to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, I, I went home and did them. Sure. <laughs> I did them at the dojo. I went home and did them uh, until I had at least some semblance of uh, what on earth I was supposed to be doing. Right. Uh, of course, I managed to pick one of the, one of the shore and roof styles that doesn't have uh, really any of the kata that I'd already done. <laughs> well, at least not in the way. So I'm, I'm trying to think. So uh, with the, um, the uh, Shorin Khan that I was... Uh, I'm sorry. The, I'm mixing them up again. I, I, might have, I might have Alzheimer's or something. With the Shido Khan that I was doing, um, you know, I, I, was, I learned all the, all the katas. And there's a, there's a few that overlap, but they weren't the same kata. And I've trained a few yeah. times with um, um, the, God, am I going to say it right this time? I can't edit out the entire podcast. There'll be nothing left. The Shorin <laughs> Khan. Okay. Shorin Rush. If I say the whole thing, I got the Shorin Rush, Shorin Khan. So I've worked out with a few times. You know, Eddie Bethane, a couple uh, seminars. Um, mm-hmm. Neil Stoltzmark, who actually was a guest on a, one of the earlier episodes. And a few other places here and there. And I was able to follow along when everyone's running their kata because they were close enough uh to the the shido conversion that i that i had learned so i mean you guys right. are you guys are probably doing nahanshi but a little different all three of yep. them uh you're gonna have yep. a basai that's different but i'm not sure what you guys might call it but uh, i think itus basai was the closest one uh to the shiriru right. version yeah, the the Itosu Pasai um, is our Pasai show, but most people's Pasai Dai. Right. Um, although, although as a third queue in Shuriru, I hadn't learned Pasai Dai yet. Oh, that's right. Okay. Because that came at, with second, I think. Second queue. Yes. First yeah, and then I was about um, to go on and say, yep. well, well, they got Kanku Show, and you know Kanku Show, but you don't. You didn't have. Right. You didn't I have didn't some of those Arcadas. I had. I had seen them and I would easily recognize them and know what they were, but I hadn't learned them yet. And I didn't, re- I, I would recognize patterns and bits yeah. and pieces, but I didn't know the kata. Um, Sorry, man. So I, was, I wanted to make the, you more advanced oh, than you were. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, sometimes I, I can take it now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as it was, the only Shuriru kata that I had that carried over was Nahanshi uh, Shodan. Mm. But yeah. the, the Shuriru version is quite different from the Shorinru version. Yeah. 
Um, and so they, they're, they're almost completely different kata other than the fact that they step side to side and have a, a vague similarity in the overall scheme of things of what you're doing. Right. Um, so much of the, you know, the, the opening is different. The stance is different. The way you get to the elbow is different. Mm-hmm. Um, the stack hands, uh, Genambarai, Mwashizuki is, is pretty much, pretty much the same. And then you get into two chudan uke instead of right. the single chudan into the double. And the, so the, there's a lot of differences there. Mm-hmm. And I, I very quickly determined I can't practice both of these at the same time mm. <laughs> right now. Um, cause I, yeah, obviously the, during those two years I'd kept practicing all of my Shuri Rukata yeah, because sure. that was what I knew. Um, and when I hit Nahanshi Shodan in Shorinru, I realized I need to not practice the Shuriru version of this. Yeah. Because it is confusing me. Because yeah. it's close enough in my head. Right. And then I get all kinds of messed up. Yeah. That, that's uh, one of the difficult... But that was the only connection. Yeah, that's one of the real difficult the things about doing either changing, changing styles or training in different styles. And by the way... I don't recommend ch- training in different styles if you're like a beginner. You know, some people are like, well, I'm going to go over here and learn yeah. Kempo on Thursday night, and I'm going to go across town and learn uh, Shotokan on uh, Friday night. It's like, no, man, you're gonna, not going to know anything. Um, but yeah, when I've, you get, when I've, you, I've seen that happen with some people. <laughs> when you get more advanced, you can do that. So, uh, you know, but that is very difficult. You kind of have to put these things in a box is, is what I had to do. It's like, okay all these katas are in the shuriru box and they're all going to be run a certain way. And then I've got the, uh, am I going to say it right this time? I've got the Shidokan box here. And then I've got the, um, uh, Juku box here. And I've got a, a goju box over there somewhere. And, and just being able to sort of draw that line and, and do them differently. I mean, it is a, it's not easy. No, uh, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's an easy way to get all kinds of confused. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like I said, thankfully, uh, thankfully in a way, it was just the one kata that I already knew mm-hmm. because I hadn't learned the other ones. So mm-hmm. I didn't have that many entire kata to try to compartmentalize. Right. I had the individual way that you do techniques and stances mm-hmm. to separate out. But there was only the one kata. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't until I started dabbling with some Goju-Ru people and I, I had the the Shuriru version of Goju-Kata mm-hmm. and then the Goju version of Goju-Kata. Um, and I just kind of ended up just blending those until they were mostly the Goju-Kata again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, though, man? It, it says a lot um, that, your, that your instructor was willing to just let you leave that brown belt on. So obviously... When you came over, you impressed him with, you know, whatever you were doing technique-wise and your attitude and your willingness to help. And, you know, for him to just say, ah, go ahead and, you know, just yeah, just leave that brown belt on and then we'll test you for the next rank when you're ready. You know, there's not a lot, there's a couple things. There's not a lot of people, instructors that are, would, are uh, you know, willing or secure enough in themselves to do that. And then number two, there's not a lot of people out there that can hop from one school to another and one style from another and, and um, you know, look good enough that people will be willing to give them the chance. So that's, you know, that really says something for both of you guys. Yeah, uh, he, 
he was nothing if not, you know, totally comfortable with his, uh, with his teaching and his approach. Mm-hmm. And he, he would always be willing to, Oh, you want to go do this seminar with these people? Or you want to go do mm-hmm. a class over there? Cool. Uh, what, if you learn anything neat, bring it back. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was very open minded about all that stuff. He, he wasn't concerned about, uh, you know, any sort of, uh, threat, uh, to his yeah. teaching, so to speak. And I don't know how impressive I was, but I was at least enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah, man, that goes a long way. <laughs> yeah, it definitely can. I know yeah. even to this day, I get really excited anytime I have an enthusiastic student who really puts their all into training and learning and asking questions. It's always great to have in the dojo. Mm-hmm. So I know that the Shorenkan group in the U.S. Is, is pretty big. I mean, coast to coast. you got guys like Doug Perry out in North Carolina. you got guys here in the Midwest, Eddie Bethea up, up north, Stoltzmark. And, you know, I don't know the guys out on the West Coast in the mountains, you, you know, besides uh, Noah Legal. And uh, Noah Legal's out in Arizona. <laughs> that was that one, too. Um, but but it's, a, it's a pretty big group here in in the u.s and you guys seem to do a lot of seminars get togethers and be pretty much on the same page yeah uh part of being in the shorn con one of the requirements as as being in the organization is that you have to attend one seminar or one camp a year um so there are a lot of different shorn con camps throughout the country um Sensei Stolzmark has one, Sensei mm-hmm. Bay has one, uh, you know, Sensei Perry, um, Sensei Green, just, um, Sensei Welch did before he um, fairly recently passed. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they're they kind of all over the place. There's, um, you know, the one that we normally go to in California that is put on by Sensei Nujum. Uh, so there, there's quite a few of those just because it would make sense if you're going to require people to all attend a, a large training camp there needs to be a, a number of them spread out over a large area. So right, there, right. there's a lot of opportunities for that. And, um, you know, different Okinawan instructors, um, you know, ranging from seventh uh, to ninth done and uh, occasionally uh, Nakazato Minoru Sensei uh, himself, who, who's running the organization now since his father's passing, mm. um, will, will come out and they'll teach in person. Um, and they don't teach the whole thing, obviously. They've got different sessions with different instructors at those camps so that you get mm-hmm. different people's points of view and different approaches to things and different topics. But um, it, it gives you a lot to be able to experience uh, just within one consistent group. Absolutely. And I attended, I've attended at least one of those. I want to say at least one. Maybe maybe another one. I attended at least at least one of those in Indianapolis. So I'm assuming it was the one that Eddie Bethea organized, and it was a real good seminar. And yeah. I was not. This was before I went to Okinawa, so I was coming in as a, a purely Shuriru guy, and everybody was was friendly and open, and I, I couldn't follow along with most of the katas at, at that time. Um, but there was there was still plenty to learn, and uh, at least those guys seemed you know willing to to have us there. Oh yeah, it's not generally uh uh something where we keep it all hidden and nobody can see it kind of a thing so um it's just 
we don't usually get too many people outside the system coming in because mm. it is advertised and, and put together as a Shorenkan camp. It's sure. all focused on the Shorenkan material. So we don't get too many people from outside the Shorenkan in it, but we're not going to keep you out either. Looking for a way to gain an edge on the competition? Want to give your body some much-needed relief and relaxation? Try Medical Resort ATAC, Okinawa specialists in sports therapy and wellness care. ATAC offers customizable massage therapy. Try their oxygen chamber to increase metabolism, reduce fatigue, and promote faster recovery from injuries. Take their stretching course to increase flexibility and release muscle fatigue. ATAC also offers special courses in static and thermal therapy, foot therapy, and head therapy. Or try a session of ATAC's latest offering, acupuncture therapy, with their fully licensed acupuncture therapist. Want to find out more? ATAC is open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Stop into their center located at 12830 Oroku in Naha City, Okinawa. Call 098-859-1890 or visit them on the web at www.a-tac.net. That's www.a-tac.net. Staff is fluent in English, Portuguese, Spanish, and Japanese. So, uh, any other things we, you want to hit on the uh, on the training? Basically, it's just a, a continuation of the process uh, under different people with different perspectives, and um, having an instructor who is willing and even happy for you to go seek out other perspectives. Um, that was something that I always really appreciated. That you know, I, I'd mention, hey, there's a, a seminar with this person, or I could have this person fly out and teach a seminar at our dojo. Cool. Let's figure it out and yeah. see what interesting things we have to learn. Um, you know, I think that's, I think it's important for karate practitioners to take responsibility for their training and find an instructor in a school that will support their goals and their intentions and what they're trying to get out of it. Mm. But that in the end comes down to the individual practitioner. You have to find yeah. that. You have to find that. It doesn't always just find you. Yeah. And, and you have to show up to the dojo and you actually have to work hard. <laughs> Absolutely. You Once you find it, it right. doesn't just happen either. Right. Um, and, and I and I probably shouldn't be saying this uh, because uh, Noah's got his blog and his YouTube channel, and I've got my uh, podcast. But you can't just learn karate from the internet. I, no. I, 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 I'm going to send myself in a depression spiral if I sit here and think of all the times where I, I get someone that come in that comes in and says. Oh, Mr. England, Mr. England, I was watching this guy on YouTube, and he was teaching uh, Taisu 67. Why don't you know that? Why don't you run that? And then I have to explain to them, this is some goofball who made this shit up. And you can't just go on the internet and watch everybody. You have to, you don't know enough yet to know what you can watch and what you what you can listen to or what's I'm sorry not what you can you don't know enough to go on the internet and know what's legitimate who is doing good technique or not you're you know you're a yellow belt just come to the dojo and right. work out number one yeah and, and, yeah it that's one of the things too is there you don't have to be an authority or an expert or knowledgeable on a subject to post about it on the internet 
Um, there are lots of people who are experts and who know a lot about a subject who are posting on the internet. However, uh, you know, Jim from his, uh, mom's basement can also post whatever he wants about topics he doesn't know about and make it look just as official. So if you're going to look at anything on the internet for martial arts references, usually Asking people who know more than you about it already is a good start. <laughs> if, right. If you if you're you know the the white yellow orange belt that's really interested and really gung ho about it and wants to research more, at least see it, even if you're not going to pick it up. Uh, it, it's better off to ask you know one of the more experienced people in your dojo who already has an idea of what's out there and what are good resources yep. to look at. And now that I've torpedoed both of our websites, uh, you can check out uh, right? Noah Legal's blog at www.karateobsession.com and his YouTube channel at Noah Legal's Karate Obsession. Uh, if there's anybody who's still willing to go to those websites, <laughs> now that I shit on all of them, mine, yours, everybody's. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, how did you get started uh, doing the blog and the videos? As I, as I was going through, it seemed to be when I was going back four and five years, it seemed to be more kata. You're posting your kata and then a, a little commentary started coming in, a little video about your opinion on this, or your thoughts on that started coming in. But what, how did they get started? Well, it, it all actually got started originally when I moved to Arizona in 2008. Uh, and I had to practice by myself mm. and I was just doing judo. And so I started a blog that I called My Budo Geek Life, was okay. what I called it. I, I wanted a uh, soap opera-ish name. For whatever reason, I thought it was funny. Was it so on MySpace? Uh, no, no, this was a blog <laughs> spot. Um, okay. I saw, so I didn't, I, I, I didn't go MySpace. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, but I, I kept that thing going for maybe, I don't know, a, a year or so. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little longer than that. Um, and it was mostly just kind of a record of what I was learning in judo mm. and a record of the kind of things I was looking up about karate, mm -hmm. just quick little things, little posts, maybe every now and then I, I remember I did a couple little diagrams. I went and got clip art of, mm -hmm. uh, footprints to show the footwork for different throws mm. for, for a couple things on one. Um, but it was mostly, mostly for me, I think more than anything, just as a, uh, almost a training journal sort mm -hmm. of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and after a while I got, I got bored with that. Um, uh, and then I started training with my sensei shortly thereafter. Um, and I moved and it, it was a whole process. And so I no longer ended up, uh, training at the judo club because, then it was an hour away after work right. in the wrong direction. And um, it, it worked out better to just do the karate, which was a little closer. Mm -hmm. um, and so I trained with my sensei for a little while. Uh, and I thought I'd, I'd gotten involved in some discussion groups on the internet at that point about karate. Mm -hmm. I was asking questions and I was looking at the things that people were posting. And I thought, you know, it might be interesting because I'm I'm doing this whole transition thing from one style to another, and at this point, the when I started doing this was after I had at least gotten the pattern down for all the Shorin Kankata. Mm -hmm. 
I was like, I'll just record a bunch of videos of the different kata I know without my gi and belt on and see if people can figure out what rank I am and what style I do. Huh. Okay. It was, it was really just, yeah, just a little experiment to see because I was curious. That's, that's how the YouTube channel got started. Okay. Um, that, so that's why you see just a bunch of kata with me in Under Armour <laughs> back right, then. Right, Okay. Um, very, very sloppy, poorly done kata as I look back well, at it. Well, man, too. take some course, I'm, to... I'm sure the kata some... I did yesterday will look the same way to me in a couple of weeks. Right. Well, <laughs> man, I'm, that takes some guts to put yourself out, out there like that. I'm, you know, I'm sure you got some compliments and I'm, I'm sure you got some, uh, negative feedback and I'm sure you got a bunch of trolls. I think it was probably a combination of the three. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a bit of a mix. I, I have to say though, most of the people who guessed my rank mostly did guess brown uh, brown belts uh, or first degree black belts. Oh, okay. Um, they had a hard time. Yeah, they, they had a hard time placing the style. Um, but uh, you know, Shorinru was guessed. Shotokan was guessed. Uh, I don't think anybody guessed uh, Shuriru for quite some time. They, they, uh, a couple of those eventually came in, but they weren't very early on uh, in it. Well, uh, but I mean, I mean, I definitely got trolls saying you don't deserve even an orange belt and that kind of thing. But yeah. um, it wasn't it wasn't as bad as it could have been. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, well, you you were posting the Shuriru katas at that time, right? So maybe you were doing some of the mechanics like a Shuriru guy, but you were doing the pattern of the Shuriru katas. So yeah, yeah. That, 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 I, I think I think I did throw a Wansu in there as well, or maybe Anaku. I think I threw one or one or two of them in there just to see, but mm -hmm. they were mostly the Shorinru. Cool. Well, it, it looked like it, you know as the videos have gone, you know, from that initial you know demonstrating cutting and getting feedback, you know, they started getting more and more of your thoughts or picking out a subject. And also, I want to say that um, I was real impressed by the quality like the presentation quality of the video a, a, a lot of youtube videos are a disaster and every the camera's shaking it's a it's a mess and you can't hear what the person's saying and the lighting's a disaster man yours are all produced very well i can hear what you're saying you've got the camera set up on a tripod or something you're demonstrating it it's it's very it's a very clear and nice presentation nice editing i was impressed well thank you i i did what i could <laughs> what I had, I actually still have the same video camera um, from that whole thing. Mm. I, I haven't improved. I haven't. I haven't uh, gone up a level on that at all. Um, but uh, you know, I, I didn't think it was too much if I'm already buying this video camera for you know trips and whatever yeah. else that's easy enough to bring to the dojo. And if I'm going to buy it, why not buy a tripod? Yeah, make my life easier. Um, eventually picked up a, a little lapel mic that I could plug into my phone mm -hmm. that cost 20 bucks. So yeah. that's, and that's to this day, all the equipment that I use, uh, I do use, a, a video editing program, um, uh, obviously to put it all together. But as far as equipment goes, I have the same video camera from like 2010 mm -hmm. and a tripod and a $20 microphone that plugs into my phone. Well, that's all you need, man. It's it's doing the job. You know why change? Unless it Hollywood, is. unless Hollywood calls, you know, then yeah, okay, then we've got to step it up. If you got a little production budget, but it, it does a trick, <laughs> you know. So keep rolling with I'll, it. I'll mostly leave, I've got a, I've got a few friends who do that with the with the martial arts stuff. I'll I'll let them go on the the bigger budget things. I think. <laughs> right, right, right. 
so uh, then it started transitioning to you know the more the topic related. So whether it was a historical or mm-hmm. opinion, um, and, and that seems to be more of what it, of what the blog is now. now how are you picking yeah. topics? Is this things you just happen to be interested in? Are you still in these dis- discussion groups? Uh, you have quite a bit of followers on on your web pages. It looks like are you getting requests for topics or what's the process like now? So I I am still in a lot of those discussion groups. Um, one of them, the Ryukyu Martial Arts uh, Research and Discussion Group on Facebook, actually um, was the catalyst for putting together uh, a, an entire training camp that I've done uh, twice, actually, out here, hmm. um, where I brought in a bunch of different people from a bunch of different Okinawan martial arts, and we all taught over the course of one weekend in uh, like 11 different sessions. Um, just as a as an open exchange of knowledge and information and training. Oh, um, cool. So I, I'm still in a lot of those different groups, and some of the topics that I address do definitely come from those. Mm. Um, you know, social media makes it really easy for people to all get involved in discussing a topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also easy if you're just replying in comments. It's mm-hmm. really easy to first of all, have the same discussion over and over again, because in different groups, different people end up asking the same thing. Right. Uh, Or to get dragged into what ends up being an argument because somebody takes things personally. And I ended up finding that if I just made a video about it, first of all, I didn't have to repeat myself all the time. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, I I, I could just say, oh, this is what I thought. Here's the video, done. Uh, And second... I didn't have to contend with the back and forth quite as much. There would be people who would leave comments on the video. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, if there were questions or whatever, I'd, I'd address them. And even if I got trolling uh, questions, I would typically address the first one in case someone who was serious saw it and went, huh, I wonder if like that kind of thing mm-hmm. if they took the troll question a little more seriously like i'll put an answer that would be appropriate to that and then i'll leave the trolls alone um, right. so it made it a little easier to not get dragged into the mud uh, on some of those um but but definitely the discussion groups um different martial arts forums I, i'm on karateforums.com um even to this day uh, but i i went on all sorts of them ebudo was one back in the day mm-hmm. Uh, that I was on a lot, Marshall Talk, and uh, there were a number of them. Yeah. Um, but mostly it's the Facebook groups and, and karate forums. Yeah, oh, that's, uh, that, that and, reminds me, yeah, the um, because I started, you know, when I first started doing Chop Talk, I mean, it was in a vacuum. I did create a Facebook page for it, and that's, I think, where most of the people found it. But I wasn't involved in any of these other groups at all. I, I, I can't I can't deal with them, man. You got more patience than I do. I cannot <laughs> deal with it. But then I, you know, especially when I was talking a, a few episodes back to uh, Louis Martin, who um, who wrote uh, the True Believers, it was sort of about the culty side of the martial arts. Um, I don't even remember if it was our discussion on on the air or afterwards. We talked about it, and he really recommended. Um, joining some of these because he was having success promoting his book on there, which I did. And then all of a sudden I found out like you were the uh, moderator of one of them. 
So <laughs> I shared it and also no illegal approves. I'm like, no illegal. I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I ended up being the moderator of a number of them. I think that yeah. that somewhat comes with also being an IT guy. Uh, yeah. You you tend to get recruited for anything that seems technology related. <laughs> so right. that's that's happened to me a few times, which is totally fine. So I'm I am a moderator on a number of, uh, yeah. of different places, but God bless you, uh, man. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm used to it. This is Mike Tarvin of Tarvin Plumbing Company. You may have heard me answering questions as a plumbing expert on the Gary Sullivan Show over the years. I'm here today to make you aware of our company. We perform plumbing repairs of all types. We've been in business since 1907 through five generations of family members. That's 109 years of providing top quality workmanship and outstanding service. If you're having issues with leaks, stoppages, water heaters, fixtures, or piping, we're here to help. Spring rains may be taking a toll on your sump pump. To help out, ask us about our summer sump pump special. We can inspect the existing pump and replace it if necessary for a special summer price. We can also inspect or add a battery backup and other devices for extra security to keep you high and dry. We offer you peace of mind for your plumbing system with reliable, trustworthy service backed by years of experience. Tarvin Plumbing is a Cincinnati company with an appreciation of the wide range of plumbing challenges this city offers. So if you or someone you know has a need for plumbing repairs of any type, please think of us at Tarvin Plumbing. You can reach us at tarvinplumbing.com. That's tarvinplumbing.com. Thank you. So how did the written side, so you have two things going on. It is the YouTube channel with the videos, and then there's the written side too, and you seem to be updating both of them. Did those kind of develop at, at the same time? or? They they didn't, uh, not exactly. So I ended up, uh, shortly after I started training with my sensei, so my, my Budo Geek Life blog had been dead for maybe a year. Hmm. And I'm like, I should do something like that again, now that I'm actually in a karate dojo and, and learning all this stuff from this new instructor. Mm-hmm. And so I started uh, Budo no Kaizen, okay. uh, uh, which was another blogspot site at the time. And it started off as a training log as well. It was just, tonight we did this and this and this and this and this. And um, Sensei said this thing that I thought was really interesting or mm-hmm. that really stuck with me. I think one of the first things uh, that he said in class that really stuck with me that I wrote down was really simple. Uh, uh, and I mentioned this in, in, I think our last Waza Wednesday, uh, video was that, uh, if you want to kick somebody in the head, put their head where it's easy to kick. <laughs> and it was really simple, but at right. the time I'm like, mind blown. It's genius. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I would write down some things like that. And a lot of it was just, I, I went and I helped out with the, the three to five year old class. And then I did the, uh, you know, beginner youth class and helped out with that. And then I stayed for this class and then like, just, we did this and this, mm-hmm. it was mostly just a training log, but over, over the course of the next year or two of, training with him more and learning more. And of course, during this time, I'm still researching things on the internet by myself because I got in the habit of doing that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I started to not just post things that were about what we did in class that day, but things that we discussed mm-hmm. in class or after class topics, mm-hmm. um, or things that, uh, 
I had learned about in class, and then that made me go research a bunch more, and I thought I would share it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or that I saw people discussing on the Internet, and then I would ask my sensei about it, or I would look it up. and then I, So it, it kind of veered naturally from just a log of what I was doing in class to mm-hmm. actually being more topic-related. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once, once it was consistently that, I realized that I was enjoying doing that, and I needed to change from the the you know cheap ugly little blog that I was doing to something that was a little more presentable um, because I was no longer doing it just for me because I had started to get followers at that point. Mm-hmm. It's time to step it up, uh, right? It wasn't just the you know twenty random people who somehow found my page my blog on the you know 30th page of google and three of them are like grandma and your cousin and mom and you know right exactly (laughs) you know who who, to this day say i don't know what you're saying for most of the stuff but you put nice pictures on them yeah well hey (laughs) you know what you totally fine you you do um especially uh especially with with the written part i think it's uh i was reading through a lot of them and you would have you'd have a usually a paragraph about whatever subject it is and you have a photo or a short video or a gif next to it that demonstrated what you're trying to do and then you got your next paragraph so it's nice that you have okay well the written description plus the uh, the photo that you took or you scrounged up from the internet or wherever next to it so it's very easy to you know follow the way that you have things broken down well thank you i i did try to go for that because I know that it's one thing to read a book. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to read on a screen. Um, as an IT person who has to read things on a screen all the time. Right. Being an entire page of text on a screen is daunting. And you might not even end up reading the whole thing, even if it was interesting. Right, right. right. <laughs> you know, between your eyes getting tired and the font being small and the screen being bright and all kinds of different factors. But if you, if you break it down into smaller chunks and have an image, you now have something that can actually take out some of your typing, some right. of the text. Right. Because I can say, like this, and you get the picture is worth a thousand words. Right. Plus, you it's don't so, it, have to write as much. It's it's so difficult to uh, learn karate or learn techniques from reading a book, or especially you know reading something online. It's so difficult to learn like a technique or a nuance. By the way, learn karate techniques and nuance at www.chopcockblogspot.com or karateobsession.com. Right. Okay. So anyway. It's so difficult to do that, but then you've got, you know, example A right here, example B right here, or even when you're doing the videos where you're describing something and, and demonstrating. It, it makes it much easier to figure out what you're talking about, learn what you're talking about, uh, and make it, it's more interesting to, to follow it. Well, thank you. That was, that was the whole, uh, that was the goal with doing it that way. Um, my, if you had seen some of my earlier ones, it was, it was mostly text, mm. um, uh, you know, an image at the top maybe that was related and then mostly text. So it, it took me a bit to realize that, yeah, you know, if I had to sit down and read this, I'd probably stop about here yeah. <laughs> because 
the written description isn't really getting it across yeah. anyway. And well, I mean, you're always moving forward, man, which is good. So, I mean, what's the um, you know what's the next you know what's the next step? Whether it's with the the training or the uh, the the blog, the YouTube channel, you know, what's the uh, the next goal or the next project? Uh, well, with with anything in martial arts, kind of just consistency. You know, still continuing to do it. Uh, there's always going to be topics to address because there's always going to be. Uh, new people with new perspectives, which bring new questions, even to material that's a century old. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it can always be addressed another way. And on top of that, because I continue to train, my own perspective and opinion can change. Sure. Uh, And so I I could write something today that directly contradicts something I wrote six years ago, uh, because my experience now has changed my outlook on it. So Mm. uh, it's just going to be you know, trying to continue developing my understanding and my kind of personal approach to karate Mm -hmm. and the way that I do things and the way that I understand things and, uh, you know, sharing it and sharing other people's material that I find interesting Mm. and trying to make it accessible. Uh, because I think for, for too long, uh, there was this idea of trying to keep things kind of secretive or only we do this. Nobody else gets to know this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't find that to be very helpful to the martial arts community as a whole. Um, I, I tend to be an anti secrecy kind of person. So, um, you know, I, am I'm much more likely to say, Hey, this is the thing I do post it on the internet. Um, than to say, no, I'm not going to show you that. It's only for me. Um, so that's just kind of my, my approach to it. I, I, we do have a trip coming up going to Okinawa. Oh, cool. Um, cool. Uh, so I'll, I'll probably post some things about that. Is this um, your, is this your first time trip. going or have you been over before? Uh, this is my first time going. Um, we have this set up as a memorial trip, um, in memory of our sensei who uh, passed away from brain cancer at the uh, end of 2017. Oh, man. Um, hey, uh, I've read that on your blog. I didn't know if uh, that's something we should, uh, you know, I should bring up. I don't want to bum anybody out, but uh, it yeah. sounded tragic. He was a, uh, he looked like a, a young guy, too. 32. Oh, my uh, not, God. Not much older. He was three three years older than me. Um of course, he'd been doing martial arts from the age of three, whereas I started at 18, so there's a little bit of a difference there. Right. Um, and an absolute just martial arts genius. Um, he, he would greatly disagree with that statement also, but mm. I'm going to say it anyway, yeah. <laughs> because from my perspective, it's exactly what it was. Oh, um, but, uh, you know, he, he had been to Okinawa numerous times, mm. and... Uh, there were a lot of different things that he did and saw while he was there that he would always talk about. And mm-hmm. he would always say that, he, you know, he would love to bring people from the dojo there to see an experience with him. Yeah. And so this trip is going to be about that uh, and uh, his memory and, and uh, some scattering of ashes as well. Uh-huh. Um, but 
and obviously we're we're going to Okinawa. We're going to train there as well. Mm-hmm. We're going to train at the the Shorinkan Hombu Dojo. That's sure. There. Um. So I'm, I'll I'll be keeping up. Uh. You know, posting from Okinawa to some degree as well. Yeah. Very cool. Um, man. That, that should be a great trip for you guys. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, obviously very sad about your sensei, but uh, I'm sure he's, he'd be. You know, thrilled to see you guys go over there and and do that. Uh, you know, one of the nice things about you being in a, a big group like the the Shore and Khan group is, uh, you can, you know, it's you have the connections to get in at the Hanbu Dojo. So you're not going to be wandering around the streets looking for somebody to take you in. You know, like I was. Um, <laughs> right. You know, but are there? Is it? Are you going to strictly stick with the Shore and Khan group? You do have uh, some other. Uh, some other places you're going to try to visit or things you're going to try to do? Uh, with As far as the karate training goes, we're going to be sticking with the Shorinkan uh, Hombu Dojo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, because we're going to visit like the, the Karate Kaikan. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we would be doing any training there or just visiting the, the museum and the facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be doing a number of different tourist-type things with... Um, seeing World War II memorials, seeing uh, the memorials to uh, Chibana and Itosu and mm-hmm. um, Matsumura, those, those kinds of uh, sites. We'll be spending some time with other members of the Shorinkan over in Okinawa. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of thing on, on this trip is going to be the, the focus, is just kind of the experiences. Yeah, very good. Now, hey, man, don't forget the beaches. All the karate guys yeah. over there, and they just go to the dojo and hang out in the dojo, and then walk up and down Kokusaidori three or four times. That's, you got to get out to the beaches, man, and not not Nami Noe that's there in Naha. It's a disaster. There's a highway built on the other. You go to the beach and you're looking out at a bridge they built the highway on. Not there. Get out. Go north. <laughs> go south. Get to the beaches. It's beautiful. It's like um, uh, the landscape's kind of like somewhere somewhere a blend between uh, Hawaii and Florida. The water's incredible. Do some snorkeling. Uh, you know, get out of the dojo one morning or, you know, one day to make sure that you're able to, to do that. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that we will manage to get some of that in there just because yeah. we we have a kind of a scheduled out set of things that we're going to do and beaches are included. So awesome, uh, I'm man. sure we'll we'll find uh some time to get into those. Absolutely. Hey, I got I got a question for you here. Um I'm, I'm bouncing around a little bit now, but the, the Shorinkan group, I mean, I know that it's huge in the U.S., uh, but I don't know what the status is like around the world. Like, I don't know if there's a whole bunch of guys down in Brazil or over in Germany that do it. Um, is it is the U.S. sort of the biggest group or the biggest country outside of uh, Okinawa for for that style? I mean, it is it is definitely international, and it has representation in mm-hmm. so many countries that it's hard to keep track. I would say probably uh, from the perspective of the fact that we have a very large country to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, U.S. The U.S. might be the largest individual country outside mm-hmm. of Japan um, when it comes to Shorinkan representation. Um, but I mean, there are a number of dojos in, uh, Mexico. There are dojos in France that I know of. There are, uh, a, quite a few in India. Mm. Um, I just uh, there are some in Africa. So there, there are a lot of them. 
I was just talking to somebody the other day about uh, karate is really taking off in uh, in India. One of our guys is from India originally, and he was uh, telling me about that. Uh, but you know, it, it makes sense also because I think a lot of the early students there were military guys, U.S. military guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know I know Doug Perry was. I I think Eddie Bethea was. I'm not sure about everybody else. He was. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of them were. Um, if if you check out uh, Matthew Absicardo's book on um, the Western generation, you get to see a lot of that. Um, he interviewed a number of different. Uh, people who were kind of the first generation of foreign students of Okinawan karate that were military vets. What was um, that? That sounds sorry. interesting. What was that author's name? What was that book called again? Uh, Matthew Absokardu. Um And I may be mispronouncing his name, but that's phonetically what it looks like. Okay. Um, uh, I just call him Matt normally. Okay. Um, and he wrote the, the book, The Western Generation. And it's uh, interviews with a number of different um, kind of first-generation Westerners that uh, brought Okinawan karate over to America. And you you get to uh, read a lot of interesting stories from them in that book. He uh, he had a blog that kind of got me going as well uh, called Ikigai Way. And uh, that was kind of one of the sites that kind of inspired me to kick things up a notch on mine. Very cool. Well, hey man, I appreciate you taking the time to to talk with me. It's um it's good catching up with you. We'll have to do it before another ten years goes by. Um, <laughs> Ideally. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, one more time, why don't you why don't you uh, plug the website and the uh, the YouTube channel this time, just so that you can you're a little smoother than I am. <laughs> uh, well, my website is www.karateobsession.com. Uh, and I can be found on YouTube by searching for Noah Legel's Karate Obsession. You can also find the same thing on Facebook, where I post a lot of uh, other material besides just my own. Fantastic. And, and the best way to get a hold of you, if anybody had any questions or follow-up is through those websites and through those uh, channels. Absolutely. I'm, I'm easiest to catch through Facebook, to be perfectly honest. All right, man. So, all right, well, all right. Noah, thanks again for uh, joining me, and uh, check out the websites. I'll talk to you again soon. Hope so. Look forward to it. Yep. All right, that's it for this week's show. Thanks to Noah Legal for joining me. To find out more about Noah, check out his blog at www.karateobsession.com, his YouTube channel, Noah Legal's Karate Obsession, or join basically any martial arts discussion group on Facebook because he's probably the monitor. Nihedibiru and Mataya. Hey everyone, like the show? Enjoy hearing interviews with martial artists from around the world? Then share it with a friend, family member, co-worker, everyone at your dojo, your fellow karateka. You can find new episodes every Sunday at choptalk.podbean.com. That's choptalk.podbean.com. And don't forget to like the show on Facebook. Thanks. Chop Talk is brought to you by the Kosho School of Karate's Premium Martial Arts Training Equipment.
Frustrated with the low quality of the big manufacturers, the hassle and expense of custom-made equipment, or the months-long delivery times offered by the Japanese brands, if your order ever arrives at all? Kosho offers Makiwara, iron sandals, specialty punching bags, and other premium martial arts training equipment, all at great prices and great delivery times. Kosho equipment is guaranteed to be high quality and heavy duty, exactly what serious traditional martial artists demand. Contact the Kosho School of Karate for more information. Go to www.koshoequip.com or email koshoschoolofkarate at gmail.com. Kosho, premium martial arts training equipment for the serious martial artist.